I just love learning. I'm forever, when you see how much time you play on Facebook, using my phone, I'm always on YouTube learning, learning how to grow, learning flat earth and, you know, I'm, I just love learning. That's my mummy, Juan Otto, and you're listening to... The beginning of us. I feel like something is rapidly transfiguring in my core being, an awakening of sorts. The beginning of us. A raw conversation hosted by your main fucker, Billy Otto. Pulling apart what it means to rebirth, to rewild, to be curious, and to rechild. Oh, my family, tonight is the night. But we learn what it means to let go. Yeah. What a time it is to be alive, my friends. To remember who we are, to journey deeply. I'm fully embracing this life and that's what it's all about. Far out. I'm so happy, my girl. What a dream boat. Country living. Doing music for a living. I honestly just feel really blessed to be in this incarnation at this moment in the world where I feel like we are raising the bar of consciousness together. Change is happening and um, we don't need to live in fear. And um, I just recently played a show um, headlining a venue in Byron Bay and I, I literally threw out my body like it was a sacrifice to the gods. And I don't think I've ever felt so present in a show, just really embracing the craft and this energy of love, just eyeballing the crowd. And it was loose. The Malaysian Springsteen did his thing. We have my beautiful mummy, Juan Otto, sharing her story on this episode. She's one of my besties. We share a lot of different views on a lot of different things, but when it comes to being a human and treating people with love, yeah, she's a pretty special, special little Malay. And even if you share some different perspectives from her regarding the shape of the world or your understanding of the divine, God, Jesus, the Bible, Stories are stories and vulnerability is vulnerability. And so I just want to give the mic over to Mummy. Yeah, this episode is going to energize you with a deep sense of awe and curiosity about things we don't know. Love ya. The beginning of us. Hey fam, I want to introduce to you the kindest human I've ever met. She oozes with a forgiving flow. She grew up in the jungles of Malaysia. She knows how to love her enemies. She's one beautiful, conscious mother who actually lives in the realm of Nirvana. Her name is Juan Otto. You can call her Auntie Juan. I call her mum. If you're really little, you can call her Nenek, which means grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Mum, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you, really. Um, I'm, I'm not very comfortable here. Because I don't like the sound of my voice anyway. <laughs> Mum, I'm very thankful that you. I call you one of my best friends. Thank you, really. Because all I want as a mum is to have your kids grow up to actually just like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, how have you found your time being up in Byron and Lennox? It's such a beautiful place and everybody's so friendly. This morning when we were going for a walk, there were so many smiles and good morning. I don't get that in Valentine. I do get sometimes, but not from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you pick a good place to live in, love. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think it's just incredible waking up around here and just being amongst the trees and mm. yeah, every day just jumping in the ocean no matter what. Mm. It's wonderful. It's and really my, uh, my friends really enjoyed meeting you. Yeah, you have lovely friends. <laughs> Very lovely group of people I met the other night. Oh. Yeah. Friends out there, um, I had like 10 or 15 friends over just two nights ago and mum, it was her first night being with me. She's only with me for two days, but she cooked this incredible curry feast made with so much love. And um, everyone there, mum, just felt so touched by your presence. You have like healing powers. Oh, that's, oh, that's such a nice thing to see, Billy. <laughs> Mum, um, I want to ask a little bit about motherhood before we dive into to more of your story, but um, I think you really have owned uh, motherhood so well. And even though you never really saw yourself diving into the, the mama world from a young age, like for a while you and dad didn't want to even have kids, but mm. I think you've been a really intentional parent mm. and the way that you've helped to curate our lives growing up. You mm. gave us, I think, a beautiful balance of guidelines and then just freedom, mm. you know. And yeah. um, I, I, I'm just so surprised. I never liked babies. I, it didn't really come natural to me to just even see babies and put my arms out until I had my own. In fact, I was so silly that I used to have fights with dad because I wanted to be a working mum. Would you believe it? I actually actually insisted that not long after giving birth, I wanted to go back to work. And uh, and a wise friend said, okay. Um, So you were saying about a wise friend once said to you about children? (laughs) Oh, she said, don't be hasty uh, about, about, because you never experience what motherhood is like. You may be, you may just love being the experience. Just, just uh, will be happy, just being a mom. And uh, and 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 then yeah, I thought yeah. And so, and of course, when my, Melissa came, I was so, I was so happy. I was, I just didn't want to go back teaching, mm. but. But at that time, after one year, I did go back teaching for one year because dad was still a, stu- a student then. <laughs> but I never worked after Jonathan was born. And so you never experienced as growing up as a, having a mom who had to go back to work. So you were blessed. Yeah, and so um, experience having Melissa and that was yeah. like a game changer. yes. And you felt like you kind of accessed a new part of you. You were like, yes. wow, I never realised I'd have this affection and this connection yeah. and this chemistry yeah. with this beautiful mm. being. Mm. And um, and I, I just love the little people. And I love other people's kids as well. That's <laughs> just suddenly this feeling just, just grew and developed. And that's weird. <laughs> Why is it so weird? <laughs> because because it's just all new. It was all new to me. You know, I said, "Wow, this." Just, yeah, I felt, I felt, oh, 
Oh, you know, when I went back home to Malaysia, the first time I came, you know, I was 19. And um, my when, and after three years, uh, I went back. And my little sister, who was born while I was away, was three. I didn't play with her. I missed, I missed that. Like, mm. I, yeah, to think that it was, it was there, but not, mm. not, maybe, maybe from that experience. It was maybe, there, but it wasn't activated. Yeah, before it wasn't activated. Mm. And having, having the, my own kids uh, brought all this other feeling. Yeah. Because, mm. yeah, mum, I remember you having like a play group at our house when you know, when I was yeah. younger, having yeah. like um, our own family childcare business and you fully became like an extended mother channel to all these kids. Yeah. All their mums were working hard. and But then when it came to even my friends, like how many sleepovers that I'd have and, and then even becoming part of a band when I was 15 and, and you just being so supportive and cooking for all my band members and I would just suddenly have like 15 people over and you cook for everyone like for the next 15 years, you know. Um, it was Yeah, like I, I think just your mother energy is like so contagious and so healing. Mm. Like I feel like, you know, the moment someone is soft towards you and open, there's, there's a mm. real touch of like mm. um, remedial kind of care and a nourishment there. And especially in a world where we do feel so detached a lot of the time from our families and, mm. and we're always thinking about things that, that need to be, to be done and, and busyness and there's a lot of disconnect. But yeah, mum, I think for some reason you have activated some core spiritual mothering mm. power. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I did family daycare uh, when uh, you were little was because I had difficulty in finding someone to take care of Melissa when I went to work when she was one because uh, there was always something wrong with the people that I took the ba- my baby to. Either they smoked even, <laughs> or, or had animals in the house or I, I just, or because I didn't know them and I had to plead with few friends to to take care of Melissa, different friends, and um, and and between dad having day offs as well from from studying, we were able to do it. Mm. And uh, so when I stopped working, I I said yes to to any friends who wanted their child looked after after uh, after the, the their kids, and I found that really helped me as a mom. Because, because I found myself nicer to other people's kids than my own. I was thinking, <laughs> yes, I was thinking, hang on a minute. My kids are not my kids. They are God's kids. They are on loan to me. So I started being nice to you as well. Fam <laughs> <laughs> out there, there was a stage in, in mum's mothering life that she stopped cooking for a year. She didn't cook. I feel like you didn't cook for like... Yeah. A pretty long time. It yeah. was like at least six months yeah. to a year. And I remember like how much um, how much wheat picks and cornflakes I'd have for dinner. <laughs> and just like microwaving weird sausages, just like yeah. like heaps of leftovers. I'm not saying that you starved us, mum, but you went through a bit of a rebel stage. I think <laughs> <laughs> you kind of had this mullet for a while. And, um, and I remember I really want to ask forgiveness because there was one time that I did tell you that you were lazy. And I take that back. 
And you were like, darling, I'm not lazy. And we just <laughs> But yeah, you went through a stage where you're finding yourself as a mum. But um, I think right now, like I think you've become the most balanced. And I think even then becoming a yeah. grandmother as well, yeah. it brought out something again. Yeah. This yeah, generational yeah. maternal legacy. Yeah. And yeah. But mum, tell me about um I think you're the best mum ever. And I I wanna hear your your thoughts towards your kids. Because I feel like I think what a lot of people wouldn't realise is that although I've had a pretty weird upbringing in a lot of ways and I've got my own like trauma, my own triggers, my mum is like the biggest frother and the biggest fan of me, even if she if she unsubscribes from my podcast because of the swearing. There's no swearing on this podcast episode. but <laughs> But yeah, but I feel like you really do like, you really do speak in high regard of your children to everyone. And I I feel like I really feel that. And all of us kids have felt that as well of like, oh, even if like this happens or we lose that opportunity, like mum's still a huge fan, you know, like, and that's meant a lot, mum. Yeah. I, um, we all, I tried to nurture you the best I could, you know, from your very young age. You know, when you like music, I, I, I call music teachers, uh, you know, piano teacher Marilyn. Remember, remember Madeline? Yeah. Uh, he, she came to the, our house and I hired her for one hour. And whoever wanted to have lesson, yeah. And of course, Jono didn't join in. Because, <laughs> <laughs> but I said no, and I couldn't force anyone. Yeah. And he's the only one who couldn't read music naturally as naturally as you three. <laughs> the piano uh, foundation is, is is the best, yeah. yeah. And then and then I invited t- any teachers that come to teach you. Yeah, because fan out there, like my mom, mom, you can't actually sing a word in tune. Let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah. But um, I think you see the potential of musicianship within a family, and obviously, dad's really into music. Great folk singer. But I think it was incredible, like prophetically, you just saw that there was something in music for our family and something innate, like yeah. we're all singing from a really uh, yeah. young age, but you yeah. really saw that potential. I, I, because I like music, I always wanted to have kids who played the violin. <laughs> so Asian. <laughs> yes. And um, I, got, <laughs> I got Sarah to learn violin, after all, the, the fourth one. And uh, she, uh, she got to the second size violin, but I found that she wouldn't pra- na- practice naturally. And we were actually fighting for her to <laughs> practice. <laughs> and then when, that, that's when I realized that, ah, this is not healthy. You can wow. give up, darling. <laughs> Yeah, because so it was really strict. It's like I had to practice half an hour in the morning, half an hour at night. If I didn't have a certain um, threshold of like practice in my day, I couldn't go to the movies, <laughs> things like that. Like I couldn't go out, but it was good. Like I think it was a good amount of like, there's a good tension between, again, like guidelines, things that need to get done. And then, yeah. you know, you kind of make up your own mind as well. Because yeah. I th- like I remember the first time you ever... Um, got us guitar lessons was with that guy that used to pick us up in that Ford Falcon. Yeah, yeah. What was his name? Was it? John. I don't Could have been John, yeah. yeah I yeah. want to catch up with him because I, I wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. where I am doing music if it wasn't for him. Yeah. Because, mum, you had the ability to connect us with just with the right people. Yeah. I don't really, really yeah. remember having like a teacher or facilitator of music that wasn't a good vibe and, and like I always felt really safe around all my different teachers. Mm. 
But I think this guy's name was John. Yeah. And he used to pick us up in his Ford Falcon wagon, Jono mm. and I, and take mm. us to his little studio in Belmont when we were like nine. Yeah. Nine and ten. Yeah. And we joined this little covers band with these two <laughs> other sister siblings. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he got me playing bass. Like I never, yeah. I was playing guitar and he put a bass in my hand, gave me a yeah. bass. Jono was a guitarist and that's yeah. how I became a bass player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, Jono and I would go through our own little rebel situations where we're like, oh, we don't want to do that anymore. And you would just go, okay, whatever, yeah. do yeah. what you want to do. And mm. And then I think for all of us siblings, we kind of, after going through a lot of teachers, we really came to a place of like, there's some things in music that we don't love as much, but there's other things that we just thrive in, mm. like with songwriting yeah. and playing in rock bands and yeah. doing different things that really fed us. And Melissa mm. started writing music when she was like 16, 17, mm. And, mm. and all of that was really encouraged and mm. you really empowered us just to keep mm. on doing it and came mm. to all our little gigs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's fun. Yeah. I think that brings richness in life. Mm. Yeah. And uh, it kept you out of trouble. I've never, you'd never given me any problem growing up, Billy. <laughs> Even as teenagers, it's all because of music. Yeah. You were too busy. <laughs> and, and when you were asking for coffee, which uh, every time you come home from school before you taught b- uh, bass to school kids, I didn't fight to say how coffee is no good for you. I just give you, um, you know, echo, uh, caffeine-free <laughs> coffee. <laughs> and, yeah, and you didn't complain because you didn't know what coffee this is like. <laughs> <laughs> this is so random. <laughs> yeah, and so the one time that you weren't home because I was trying to get my caffeine hit so I could teach bass guitar before my HSC, I had a HSC performance the next day, but... I made myself a coffee yeah, and I was up all night <laughs> before my HSC <laughs> and you just laughed about it. Yeah, but I do think it was like you guys, you and dad really encouraging us to like be in nature. Yeah. Like we did have technology in our house, but yeah. like we were much like uh, into, we were a camping family yeah. and yeah. Um, to be on our bikes in the bush on the yeah. coast or doing music was like yeah. a really good distraction I yeah. think from the party yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Like none of us kids have really wanted to get into the drinking thing. Yeah. None of us have really done drugs or mm. or had to go through the heartbreak of having a whole ton of one-night stands and mm. stuff because mm. I think we had some really good values. Mm. And um, I think the relational culture that you mm. you pumped into the atmosphere of the house was like it was all about mm. connection, mm. you know? Yeah. I, I, I admire my kids because teenage life, their vice was – yeah, we go. Our fun was going Bible studies once a week. <laughs> <laughs> the whole four kids and me. You remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. Cool. That was really fun. Yeah, and so, mum, um, what is it like when you hear your kids all sing together? <sighs> it just warms your heart because because you were. Yeah, yeah, I'm just so proud of my kids. And yeah, yeah, just <laughs> pride. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the biggest things that us kids have learned from you growing up was just your ability to, to let go. Mm-hmm. 
like we would all honestly say that you are the number one human in our life that knows how to kind of let toxicity or toxic thoughts just kind of flow through you and and to to not hold on yeah. to bitterness I, and to resentment. Yeah, I had to, darling. Even when I was very little, I was uh, I was abandoned. Mm. Uh, my sister, my older sister, and I were forever left with our grandparents, with our aunties, because they had to find jobs in in Thailand, mm. which is a bordering. It's only 30 miles away from our house. And um, when I was very, very little, um, two or three or four. And um, so I got so used to not go there, you know, so I have to teach you not to think. It's just, everything's just a thought away. Don't think anything that doesn't bring you happiness. Mm. And, um, and then... Uh, when I was um, high, was in high school, I went away to a boarding school, which you know, was about twelve hours away, and um, and then I learned not to think, be homesick for home, for the village. It, it, so I had to train my mind not to think on certain things to survival. Just think of things that make you happy. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, and then to, of not, course, to yeah. not dwell not on the dwell. darkness of abandonment yeah. and feeling yeah. lonely. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had never. And, um, and then I came to Australia straight after boarding school. So, mm. yeah. What was it like growing up in the village? Ah, oh, the best ever. Because, because it was so undeveloped. We were sort of naked. <laughs> <laughs> and our animals were our friends and all what the kids of, in the village. What kinds of animals? Well, the usual cats and, and, and goats yes, and ducks and chickens. Yeah. Wow. Our pets. And I used to have chickens. Did I tell you that? Chicken and ducks. And my, my father taught me to be entrepreneurial with my chicken and ducks. I used to, we didn't eat the eggs. And uh, I would have all these chickens and these, all these ducks and I would sell them. And I had great pleasure in buying my own clothes when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you ever tell me these stories? <laughs> well, well, because when I see your kids being entrepreneurial, look at Jonathan, I said, yes, I was when I was a kid in the village. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Because your dad was um, in real estate. Oh yeah, he used to. Um, he used not to spend too much money on anything except buying land. Yeah, but yeah. the way that he would lend money to people in the community that needed it. Yeah, yeah, without 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 taking their property if they failed to buy to 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 pay back. Wow. That's why. That's why. That's one lesson that I have learned from him, which is very Christian way as well. If you prepare to lend to people, prepare to let it go if they don't pay. Mm. Yeah. Not feeling resentment, I can let it go. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Mm. So you may, he may have lots of land, but he, none of it—that's from people who failed to pay him loan money. He never hold anybody's land for not paying the money back. Which a lot of people do that. But yeah. My father didn't. But yeah, there's a powerful principle in that. Like I think mm. there is. Like I think 
you know, call it God, like, like still just honors that intention and that trust. And mm. I think when mm. you, you're not attached to money, even if mm. you have abundance, mm. it's like still activating that inner generosity, mm-hmm. unconditional. Because mm-hmm. it'll always come back to you mm. in other ways. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we just idolize and deify mm-hmm. money and yeah, of course, you can, you, you can feel it so easily over someone who doesn't want to pay pay you for the next coffee because you've been shouting them coffees for two weeks and you can mm-hmm. get resentment over the mm-hmm. smallest things mm-hmm. when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. And that can cause you to not talk to them for mm-hmm. like a while. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, crazy, but yeah. if you let it get to you, yeah, yeah. like how much you can outcast someone when you attach yourself with money. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, well, some people don't have the spirit of generosity and they, don't, they can't. you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember in boarding school, there was this friend who um who would have puzzles of nice biscuit sent to her from her parents. And she would rather let them go moldy rather than share with us friends in boarding school. And uh, and as adult we got together in our retirement. <laughs> and uh, because I was all came all the way from Australia, none of my friends would let me pay for anything except that friend. <laughs> She's still in that feedback loop of scarcity. That was so, we had such a huge laugh. And my friends would say, hey, <laughs> I haven't been able to pay anywhere I go, but only except one. Yeah, but you and dad have always been so generous. <laughs> like, I feel like it's so funny. Classic Asian mom, like, hasn't worked for like 30 years, but he's just ready to drop money on like a property with you or something. I think you've always been very, very generous towards your kids, empowered them. Yeah, We've yeah. always had to work for whatever we wanted. Yeah, yeah. But you don't spend a lot at no. all on the day-to-day. No. But I think you just... I like shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but still you're kind of ready to kind of go halves in property with someone somehow. <laughs> somehow this money just comes out of nowhere. But yeah, mum... Um, so growing up in the village, you've got a bunch of siblings. Um, you come from a Muslim background. Yeah. It's quite conservative. Yeah. Sharia law is like the vibe over there in the yeah. village. And um, you grew up like studying the Quran. Yes. I, I, I was so good at it. I finished the Quran when I was really young. Mm. And I fasted when I was super young. And my father... I thought I was the best Muslim ever. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, in boarding school, we had prayer time and we would do our five prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It started to change when I came to Australia. Yeah. But did you enjoy going to the mosque when you were younger? Oh, we, as, as, little, as girls, we don't go to mosques. Yeah. What about Ramadan though? No. Yeah, but we we just uh, we we went to each other's house. Okay, open houses everywhere, but we don't do the mosque culture in a village. Not when I was growing up. Yeah, but um, yeah. Did you pray five times a day? Oh yes, oh yes. Um, it's just scheduled to pray. Like the first thing your father would say in the morning is, "Have you prayed?" Uh, and we just slowly. Mm. Yeah. And your grand, your mom, my grandma, Nanak, uh, would teach pretty much like kindergarten Quran to the yes. community, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One time I was in the village and I saw her doing that with some of the, the little yeah. kiddos, mm. little girls wearing their tudungs. Yeah, yeah. 
It was just so beautiful. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, you grew up, and there's so many, obviously, there's so many beautiful spiritual principles that you've taken from mm. the disciplines from Islam. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. there is so much purity in yeah. so much of that religion. Yes. But yeah. I guess you also experience some of the more toxic sides. Oh, yes. You're not allowed to think for yourself. Mm. That's a toxic side. Mm. And that's a side that I didn't like. Mm. And um, when, um, when I came to Australia, it helped to open my eyes. Because, mm. because uh, as a kid, uh, whatever is told to you is truth. Mm. You don't question it. Mm. And um, as you get older, and think for yourself, you can make your own choices. But my choices wasn't agreeable to my family. So um, half of my siblings won't talk to me. Yeah, but so in Australia, you go to James Cook University. Yeah. Um, you're studying science. Yeah. Chem, right? Chemistry. Yeah, chemistry. Dad was studying marine biology. Yeah. And that's how you guys yeah. must have had some same electives or something. No, no. We, we stayed at the same residential college. Oh. <laughs> so this handsome German-Irish <laughs> yes. man yeah. with a great he, he had to walk past my room to go to the bathroom. Oh, cute. <laughs> North Queensland. Because you were so smart. You got sponsored from your village or from your municipality. Oh, no, country. country to yeah. come over and yeah. pretty epic. To, to study chemical engineering. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine me, chemical engineer? <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah, anyway. would have been good money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I became chemistry teacher instead. Mom, you could have fixed my teeth properly <laughs> no, if you're a chemical dentist, engineer. No, no dentistry. No, no but no, as in like with the money though. I'm yeah, saying, I don't yeah, know. you could have sponsored me. Yeah, now I've got really mangled teeth. <laughs> <laughs> But you did offer to pay for me, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 31-year-old. Can you still get it from me? <laughs> she feels me? bad, so she wants to, like, get my feet, <laughs> my teeth fixed. Okay, so um, you find out about, um, um, you know, more of the Bible faith, like, through dad, and then you realise yes. that dad's dad is a big preacher. Mm-hmm. Dad's kind of kept it secret for a little bit, but then you start coming to church and yeah. you start falling in love with a different picture of God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I decided at university that I was a Muslim because I was born one, mm. and um, and uh, I prayed that God would help to lead me to the right understanding. Mm. And uh, when I met Dad, and I first question, or when I had him. The, between the just two of us, I said, "What's your God like?" That's always been my question, mm. and 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 he says, "A loving father," and oh, I just said, "Oh, I like your idea of God." Yeah, because yeah, what was your uh, what was the picture of God oh, when you ju- grew up? A judge, the merciless judge that will burn you, and 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 even when you die, you don't really die because you go to the grave and you get tortured by the angels. Mm. If you have been sinful. So the whole religion is based on fear. Mm. And uh, it's terrible understanding of God. I feel really sorry for them. Mm. But I can't share. Otherwise, I won't be able to visit them. <laughs> I just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but you went back there and you and dad lived in the village for a year. A year. After yeah. being married. Oh, and, yeah. I but pre- then, but then like, you got in trouble with the popos. Oh, oh, that's another time. That time we all pretended to be Muslim. <laughs> but yeah, but I guess your dad, who was quite fearful, 
of your salvation and of your destiny. Oh yes, because uh, that's his own be- his belief that he would have to spend time in hell for not bringing me up properly. Wow, it's a terrible, a terrible uh, understanding that that you suffer uh, punishment for not uh, for not responsible enough to to make your children be a good Muslim. Yeah, and uh, especially a woman. Yeah, yes, and uh, and then when I came home for a visit after becoming a Christian, I I had to share with him that idea that my sin is my own responsibility, and and that he did a good job in raising me up. So God is not going to judge him um, because we don't believe the same way. But God is love. I was trying to tell him about this loving God concept. But, but he thought he could make me a good Muslim again mm. by using the Islamic police. Mm. But they tried to instill fear in me, like they couldn't, they could get me during the day, but they got me at night time. They came in and demand uh, and took me away and put me in the lockup, took <sighs> away my passport, and I was so on passport after that. They were going to take me to be indoctrinated. I was a Australian citizen, and um, and um, and I I thought that I will, that was going to be indoctrinated, wow. and whatever that is, and um, and uh, I was uh, they were they were not going to keep me in the lockup until I got picked up. So they put me in under house arrest, and um, so wait, they this is after. Me being in Australia for so many yeah, years. This yeah, is sure. this is before I had children, being married. But you know, I had I was Australian citizen. Yeah. And um, they. Came but just to pause me. for a second. And so, what was it like? Just the fact that they came over at night, like emotionally, how did you respond to that? Like, were you pretty uh, shocked? Yeah. yeah, I was shocked and I was a bit fearful. And uh, and and I said, Was Dad with you when and, they and were there? My father. Was, you mean your father? Yeah. Your father was in the uh, Middle East uh, traveling in oh, a, with granddad. In, in a biblical uh, Yeah, Bible lands, got yeah. it. And uh and and I said I said, Can my father come? And uh whatever you taking me? Uh and they said, Oh, okay. And uh and then after all they dropped my dad off somewhere else. And mm. then he said, Oh, you can't go where she's gone. Like they make him suddenly. My father realized that they were no good, and um, uh, they didn't tell him where he was taking me, uh, and um, and took took me to the police station, mm. and so that they didn't have their own police station. They wanted to lock me up, so they put me told them to put me in the lockup, and um, but the police, but amazing, I found favor with them, a policewoman. She don't want to leave me alone. Wow. She said, I don't want, we, as far as concerned, you haven't done anything wrong and, uh, and I will stay with you. So I was inside the lockup, but she was there in front, near me. And, uh, and then I said, where's my father? And, uh, and, and, uh, and they said, oh, uh, uh, my father gave up on me because I was too bad. But to my father, he said, "Oh, she is, she's too bad that you can't you can't bail her out." But 
then he they dropped him off to the village, and my father woke up uh, a cousin, and uh, he 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 took uh, my toilet bag and a blanket. I came back to the lockup to uh, to the police station, and um, and at that time uh, the. The guy in charge was just about to leave, so that's providence of God. Wow. <laughs> how was your dad feeling at this time? Yeah, he all, all because he's being a dad. Yeah, he didn't want me to be in the lockup, being cold. So he mm. had a blanket, and he he knew that I needed to brush my teeth before I go to sleep. So he brought mm. my tooth, you know, my toilet back, toilet mm. back, and uh, and then he realized that the guy told him that, oh, you can bail her out. Mm. And um, when she said, oh, and uh, when she got there, they said they demanded $1,000. My father said, I wouldn't have $1,000 on me. I have to go to a bank. And and they said, okay, we leave one zero out. That becomes 100. <laughs> and with, with 100, you can just verbally, you don't even have to produce the money. You can just verbally, um, yeah. <laughs> But the next day after the court... So uh, you embraced your dad after that? Oh, yeah. He took me home. He took me to my sister's house, which is not far from Mm. in in the city. (laughs) (laughs) And the next day at court, the court went quite late and um, I was for leaving Islam, Mm. my my charge of Islam. And and I was going to be taken back to the... um, I was going to be taken back to the lockup if my father didn't produce $1,000. And my father said, oh, no, the bank is closed. I can't get to my bank. And and, and a cousin said, oh, I'll ring up this cousin um, and see if they're here. And this cousin, he told his own story. He said he was just outside uh, putting his shoes on with $1,000 in his pocket to pay someone else. <laughs> How good is that? Yeah. So God didn't want me to suffer in the lockup. So I can't say I've been in the lockup more than a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> but um, how how was it then, Mum, that later on there was like, weren't you in the newspaper in Australia? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, in, I was in the newspaper in Malaysia. And, and because, because my cousin didn't want me to be famous, uh, with my face splashed everywhere that I couldn't escape. So they dressed me up as a Muslim. So I, they loaned me uh, um, the hijab thing, uh, covered my, uh, my head totally and exposing my face. But then they gave me sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, my, my face was everywhere in the newspaper, but nobody recognized me because... I was I was just dressed like them, and they couldn't see my face. So the day I escaped, um, I didn't have, yeah, I, I only had a handbag with me. I left everything because I you know, I was escaping, and um, and when they asked for ID because I didn't have my passport, I pretended to look through my handbag, and that's another favor. The the airport lady said, "Oh, it's okay, you go." How good is that? Yeah. Because, like, you and Dad were so worried at the stage because there was, like, murmurings of death threats and things. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. A woman, the, the, Shari yeah. Law, Shari Law. Oh, yeah. They, uh, the living headline. Islam. The headlines always make it worse. I know, but there was a lot of fear yeah. about what could happen. 
oh, well, I said, well, as long as I dress like Muslim, they thought they would have, hey, she might be a Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow you got out of the country without a passport. Oh, no, no, out, uh, out of the state without state, ID. Yeah. Without ID. I still need an ID. And, uh, uh, and I, 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 I've just pretended. I said, oh, I brought the wrong handbag. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then go give up. I didn't realize I was a good actress. Anyway. And, um, and when I, once I flew to KL, um, my, uh, your dad was there in KL. And your dad had, I hired a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. And the Australian uh, government helped me as well. Yeah. And after two weeks, they gave me a brand new passport. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, but mom, then yeah. I still needed to come out of the woodwork to have my passport stamped. <laughs> <laughs> and after in hiding, and, uh, but this time when, I, when they took it away again, uh, the Australian commissioner guy uh, was, re- representative was with me. Yeah. And after two hours, he said, no, we, if she goes, we'll take the passport with us, you know. Wow. Yeah. And so, and they didn't really want to be in trouble with my state uh, for letting me, me go. So I had to make a uh, declaration that I wasn't being forced to, um, to escape. And I'm, uh, um, acting under my own free will. And on the meantime, my father was looking for me. And, but he went to, embassy, to the embassy when I was at the Australian High Commissioner. So, so that, that's another providence there. I didn't get the pain of seeing my father. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but when was the last time you saw him? The, the morning when I, the day I escaped. Wow. Uh, I, I said, I'll see you later. And uh, because I was under house arrest and uh, he was supposed to accompany me, but I said, I I was all right. I'll be right. I'm going to see the, uh, the Islamic police guys that had my passport because my passport had to be stamped because my three months stay was over by then. I needed to get that renewed. And um, and then I went to the Muslim office and the Muslim guy took me to the immigration uh, with my passport. But as soon as it got stamped, he took my passport away again. Oh. And, um, and he wanted to take me home to the village. And... Um, but I said, oh, drop me off to my big sister's house. I'll be right. At my big sister's place, I said, oh, I needed to go home now very quickly. Uh, and then I went to the airport. I just had just the right money to buy plane ticket to KL. Oh. That's because dad, your dad is the most generous man ever. He insisted me to have extra money. Mm. Um, because uh, because I say I'm going home to the village. I don't need I don't need much money because uh, uh, you know I'll be looked after. He said no, no, no. I have have this money, you know, and uh, and with that money was the exact money that I needed to to get a flight to KL. This was in 1982. Wow, early. yeah, only like two years before Melissa was born. Yeah, all of this shock. Yeah, and all of this. 
dissonance with family, yeah. with local religious leaders. Yeah. yeah. Um, infamy. Yeah. But, but, but the, the miracle didn't stop there because when I got to Singapore, I, I confronted the airline because my, my ticket has been expired months ago because I, I was being held. And, uh, and uh, 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 some people had news, newspaper clippings uh, and um, kept about me. So with the newspaper clippings, I, I confronted them and said, this is why I couldn't fly on this date. I can can you you know can you let me fly you know with this you know and and he said yeah on compassionate ground wow. I had a free flight with uh, Singapore Airlines. <laughs> when does yeah. that ever happen? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So so see you you meant to come along because this that the guy that made me as helped me, uh, that gave me an idea to escape, he said to me that whatever you do, don't allow the, uh, the Muslim to take you to be indoctrinated for one year because he has, he knows of people who have disappeared. If you don't think, if you, if you, if you don't think like they do and if, if they think of you as a no-hoper, you can disappear. Wow. So, and I didn't know who he was. Uh, or, or, or because yeah, I just didn't know. So, so I thought he was sent from God, especially because <laughs> it's almost like one thing would be to disappear and maybe your body end up somewhere, but yeah, yeah, to even experience mind control yeah. or any kind of mind conditioning techniques that would mm. could potentially change your personality because they're trying to mm-hmm. like. Hey, Almost yeah. force you to become Islamic again through like reprogramming. Yeah. And the Australian commissioner said to me, will you promise never to come back? This is 92. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> promise. That's why that never allowed me to come back. That's why you never learn about your 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 relatives for all these years. I just didn't go there. I didn't, whenever I thought of my family, I just... Switch. I'd yeah, stop thinking there's a blessing and a curse because I think yeah. it's like I grew up as a banana, so yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Grew up in a rugby league town, driving Commodores, and it's like I think the only words that we knew growing up were "gossa gigi," yeah, "clean your teeth," <laughs> and "rasasaya," "makan," "makan makan," <laughs> "nenek." <laughs> we probably said, used and knew seven words. And I think, yeah, it was like, I think I can fully understand like just needing to protect yourself physically and emotionally and even dad because there was a lot of trauma that dad experienced mm. from the thought of losing oh, yes. you. Oh, yeah, yes. like, he said He said his chest just about burst. Yeah. Especially after reading the newspaper about um, his death penalty uh, applicable, you know, possible yeah, and stuff all like that. Hype. Yeah, all story about me. And, to experience uh, and, that, like yeah. only a couple of years into being married, yeah, yeah, he he was full of fear, yeah. and and but even though I keep on saying, "Darling, it's safe now, it's safe," but he wouldn't let me go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think just it wasn't until like later on that um, when Melissa started going to Malaysia that we started yeah, to experience yeah. Tasha, our, Tasha our Malaysian heritage, yeah. which was incredible. But yeah, I'm like. Just receiving that story, just really want to honor your journey. And I'm so glad that you came through 
that darkness and remained faithful and grounded mm. and yeah. and it doesn't seem like once that you really reacted mm. to your family mm. in in resentment and anger um and hatred whereas so many of us would have yeah you know well, responded in a way of yeah they they um they also believe in a loving god they just don't understand what love is mm. yeah yeah I guess there's so many principles in like ancient literature that talk about um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Mm -hmm. There is this Mm -hmm. thing of like what you do believe about the divine and your picture of the universe and God does shape a lot of your, uh, how you share love to people, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. both of us have seen in our lives um, elements of religion and faith being like the most beautiful things, but also religion and faith being really destructive. Ah, yes. To people and to the environment yes. and yes. to, um, and you kind of think to yourself, man, these principles were given to bring people together and to bring mm. people into a connection mm. with the divine, but mm. so often they've just become tribal mm. and they become these walls that divide people mm. and cause mm. hatred and disconnect. Mm. 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 There's a principle that God is love, mm. and you, anything that's not love, that's not from God. Mm. That's why we can keep ourselves checked all this time. Mm. Yeah, have to come from a place of love, mm. place of mercy. Yeah, yeah, by beholding we become yeah. changed yeah. and yeah. Letting, yeah. letting the mind yeah. be renewed yeah. day by day. Yeah. It's, it, it's a freedom thing to know that God doesn't condemn you, yeah. that God loves you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think for so many of us, that are still trying to grapple with forgiveness and 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 what that might look like mm-hmm. when um yeah we really feel like the closest people in our life have turned on us mm. or have acted in a toxic manner mm. how to really become part of that forgiving flow that daily mm. forgiving flow because it's not a one off mm. thing like even you mm. you didn't talk to your dad after that you didn't know you probably oh, yeah, on the I, phone I, yeah i rang her um yeah later on in life to thank him that he actually did a good job that stressed the fact that he wouldn't go to hell because of me. I tried to forgive him that piece. <laughs> but you never saw him again. <laughs> I never saw him again. I was again. 10 when he passed away. Yeah. I remember yeah, I was yeah. in, I was, I remember the moment mm. we we're in Windale mm. at this church we used to go called, mm-hmm. called Wingate mm-hmm. in this industrial area. Mm. And you and you just said to me, mm. darling, your grandfather just passed away. Mm. And I was 10 and mm. I'd never even heard his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still cherished, like I never really heard a bad word about him. Obviously, mm, the mm. story is really complex and mm. all of the influences over his life that would have caused him to act in a certain way, which was, which, yeah, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. normal. Yeah, he, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, and, but you still always told me really positive attributes about oh, yeah, how he's yeah, a very yeah, kind yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. The one good thing, he, your uncle, Ayali, yeah. he's very much like him. Sorry? Your uncle, Ayali. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you you, you be safe Mm. with Ayali and you see that's what my father was like. Mum, what can you say to myself and especially the young people that are listening in today when it comes to forgiveness and letting go? Because I really want to hone in on that right now. And I think this narrative, your history has really, again, like I've heard parts of it I haven't even heard before. Like, honestly, like I've heard different shades of it, perspectives for the last 30 years of my life. But now it's like hit me home again. Mm. And 
having become so much closer with you in the last 10 years and seen so much with mm. you and deconstructed so much with you and wrestled with faith and doctrine and science with you. And, but now when it comes to something so personal and um, vulnerable, like mm. the act of forgiving mm. people that have really, um, you know, like obviously in your situation, you, you have some family that don't even talk to you anymore because mm. of Islam and, mm. and obviously their conditioning has, mm. has brought them to that point and their, their picture of the divine, but you still have so much love for your family that is unconditional mm. and like, where the hell does that come from? Well, darling, uh, people have got issues with themselves and sometimes they can't give you what they don't have. They don't, they don't have it. So, so with me, I, I let things go. I let it go. If uh, uh, my my brother sees me and look away, I just, I just let go. I feel mm. sad. Of course, I feel sad, but I don't allow that to bother me. And I, because you know, you you don't have to have to punish, but you just let it go. Yeah. Mm. And and I so that I can be in a place of joy, always. Mm. To me, it's fine. It's it's good. It's okay. My my sister, I do miss her. Yeah, I I really miss her, but she doesn't want to talk to me. Every time I go home, she won't come. Yeah, yeah. And, and my mother wouldn't let me go. <laughs> I'm the I'm the sort of person that who just. Who would just turn up? Mm. Uh, you know, I got a friend who said, oh, "I'll just take you there mm. to her house," and um, and I, I I don't mind turning up. I say, "Hey, you know, because mm. I do miss her," and um, I just let go. Yeah, and yeah. I think you nailed something, Mum. Like being able to to feel that sadness because yeah. I think yeah. that's. Yeah. That's also a detriment to your growth if you like just yeah. completely disregard how you feel. Yeah. yeah. But when I learned that I could really befriend my emotions, that they weren't yeah. my enemy, they weren't yeah. me. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I, I think that and I feel this in this moment. Yeah. But I can also just like acknowledge all of that. Yeah. But then let it yeah. pass through. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there's yeah. things yeah. that I've, you know, yeah. obviously experienced a fair bit of pain yeah. with my dad, yeah. your husband. Yeah. And, yeah. But it's like, as the more that I can observe mm. and observe those thoughts, feel those feelings, yeah. but then fully kind of just see them as traffic just going by as yeah. well. It's kind yeah. of like, you know, yeah. well, yeah, it's all there, yeah. but I don't have to attach yeah. myself to that deep, dark uh, yeah. sensation. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think I've, I've been told as well, like when um, – you know that you've forgiven someone mm -hmm. when you can say their name. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when you're not triggered from thinking yeah. about them. Yeah. You know, that's when you really know because it's mm -hmm. like, you know, when you can't forgive someone, sometimes you can't even say their name, you know, yeah. or oh, person X over there. <laughs> that, that bastard, you know, it's kind <laughs> of like, or you say something derogatory to allude to them, but you won't even acknowledge their name uh -huh. because you carry so much resentment, no, you know, no. and that, it happens a lot with the family, you know. That's toxic. I've seen it in our family. We can't yeah. even mention some people's names <laughs> before it becoming a trigger point yes. around the dinner table. And it's yeah. like, what you see there yeah. is deep resentment and yeah. un, unhealing, uh, not healing yeah. of a lack of forgiveness. Yeah. 
and how toxic that is. Oh man, it can bring crushing. such sickness. Yeah. Uh, I, as I said to you before, a person can come into your mind, but everything is just a thought away. Mm. You can think, stay that thought, and say, Lord God, pray for that person, bless that person. You know, just I think that's the best way. I find I can forgive people once I start praying for them. Mm. Yeah. So that's the best. <laughs> I remember this person who hurt Jonathan. Mm. And, uh, you know, being a mom, I say, you know, you, know don't, you can do things to me, but not to my kids. Mm. You know, rrr, to yeah. mother, mother bear. And, uh, and I, I forgive, I forgive. Like I say to with my mouth, but not in my heart. Yeah. But, uh, but I just keep on praying about it. And, and one day I saw this person, I just, I just, I just hug him. Like, mm. you know, like I say, oh, that's gone. You know, like, it's so good. It's just Yeah, so and it's a real hug. It's not a side <laughs> yeah, hug. Yeah. It's like a full embrace. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And even if they're not, you know, they might not be fully reciprocating it. It's, yeah, yeah. it's like you can physically hug people yeah, yeah. that you kind of saw could have become your enemies. <laughs> but you can also just love them and yeah. show that you're interested yeah. in observing of their yeah. life. I yeah. heard your son got married. That's amazing, you know, yeah, and just yeah. kind of fully celebrating uh, their yeah, wins. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I even know that as well, like you're saying, like when you feel this disconnect and this, uh, this really yeah. primal angst, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to pray for that person or I'm going to yeah. just send good vibes. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to just like in my heart, I'm just channeling love yeah, yeah. to them. Yeah. And, and yeah. Ever since I started doing that more, even towards, you know, my dad, yeah. it's just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. been like yeah. there's a healing energy of just yeah. kind of yeah. like we're all just like kids in the in the playground trying to work yeah. out things, yeah. you know. It's like life yeah. is really complex. Yeah. And all of us have our own trauma and our own trigger yeah. points yeah. that have come through our life and through yeah. programming. And But it's, I think, when we can come to a place of love and know that love is the only true reality mm-hmm. and that to not forgive is to not be free. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing, like, there's no price tag you can put on forgiveness. No. And it's the only way. It's, it's, the it's only a way w- to live. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't want to have joy. You can't have joy while you harbor bad feelings for anyone. Yeah. yeah. You were saying today, Mum, that um, marriage has its own, like, sanctifying yes, healing power about it. Because it brings stuff that you don't know is there. Because <laughs> we don't know what's in here. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Bible is like that as well. It's a mirror. Yeah, it's a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's like you're spending like 30 mm. plus years with a human, yeah. sharing a bed with them, sharing yeah. meals yeah. with them, trying to align your calendars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like if you're not in that forgiving mm-hmm. river flow, because yeah. it's not just a one-time thing, I've forgiven yeah. that person. It's like a daily place to live yeah. from. Yeah. Because it's, it's like you've both got, you've got a different way to do things. Oh, yeah. You communicate differently. You're both bringing your own cultures yeah. into that one relationship. We are so different. You can come from the, you may both be white. You may from both the same be, country same town. Country, everything's the same, but we are still different. Mm. <laughs> you know, so we're all different. We mm. all have our own different experiences, different trauma. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Dad, your dad and I, we're so different. <laughs> we're just so different. But you've hung in there, mum. <laughs> yeah, he's good company. He makes me laugh. <laughs> he's kind. Um, he's this kind morning when we, when we went for a, a walk up Lennox Point, it was really beautiful, watching the ocean and just having some good mother and son chats. We walked around the lookout, beautiful, down to boulders. 
I remember on the way home, I just told you how, you know, I think of Chrissy all the time. Chrissy's my ex-fiance. And, you know, and I think you had some really good wisdom with that. Mm. Just like it's, you know, what did you, what, what did you say this morning when I was just oh, like, well, yeah, see, I think you, of Chrissy. I said, you can't help it now. You've been, you've been together for so long, so many years. Mm. But you just have, when the thought comes, everything's just a thought away. You mm. can just say, Lord, Lord God, Father, please uh, protect her and mm. be with her, help her to make the right judgment and, mm. uh, and keep her away from, uh, you know, trauma and help her, tra- you know, whatever. Uh, sh- sh- uh, please answer whatever that sh- mm. she needs because you don't know. You don't go. But mm. at least if you go there, just turn it into a prayer. Every mm. time you think of her, you pray for her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because I think it's like, it's it's really natural. Like I think when you come out of like a long-term relationship, one way to kind of deal with a pain is you kind of gossip about the about the ex and you mm. kind of like talk to mm. your friends mm. and you kind of, you know, just those little things of mm. talking down and just making mm. a joke no. out of that person. No, no. But it's still like, there's something gross about that to me. No. It's something that's not honouring and I would no, not no. want to be talked of in that way. No. And to no. love my no. neighbour as myself, like no. to love my ex mm. as myself, mm-hmm. even with all those four and a half years of histories and highs and lows, mm. pain, joys, all of that. Mm. But to still kind of acknowledge those feelings, acknowledge those thoughts. But then again, to like really celebrate that human, to pray, to send love to that person. And um, yeah, I feel so much more complete and in my flow state when I can act from that place towards people that I feel like have hurt me in the mm. past. And But mum, I think you have been the carrier of that message to me more than anyone that I know. Oh. Yeah. Um, I remember mum, you told me, in my earlier 20s when I was on like a trip in Malaysia with you and I was feeling yeah. a lot of FOMO and I was feeling like, you know, I was kind of lingering in this place of feeling a bit lost about my travel plans, but I was mm. with you in the village, but I could have been with my friends in KL and I was just like, I was just really scattered and I was living in this place of regret over a couple of things that were happening on my travel plans. It was really getting me down. And I remember it was one of the first times you told me when I was like 22, you were like, darling, these thoughts are going to kill you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to take yeah. away from your joy. Your joy. <laughs> You're with me. It's great. And you just kept on bringing me back to the present. Yeah. It didn't matter if it was like a laugh, lack of forgiveness mm-hmm. towards people mm-hmm. or feeling like I was missing something. Yeah. Still, you were always this, yeah. able to bring me back to the present. Yeah. And I think you were, you'd observe, because like you have like four really melancholy kids. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're not very melancholy, we're all like more like dad, dad in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah we kind of sink into our thoughts yeah. heaps. Yeah. But I think you've been able to celebrate our complexity and yeah. our sensitivities and our yeah. empathies and our creative zeal yeah. Yeah. and artist, artist prodigy, whatever yeah. you'd want to call it. But yeah. still see that there was a potential for us just to get lost in it as well. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, you know, you coming from your chemistry background and you kind of have a bit more of that left brain thing activated, it was good for you to kind of like see it and just be like, guys, come back. Mm. Like see that loop, but don't get caught in that loop and in that cycle because like the more you stay in it, the harder it gets. Yeah. And I think you're always really good at like, you know, cut it early. Yeah. 
don't sit in it because it's like the more you go down that spiral, like it does become a spiral and it becomes a snowball. Yeah. Everything's just a thought away. You always check your your thought. Mm. What are we thinking? Mm. Yeah. But do you think as well that in your life, mum, considering what you've been through, like with your relationship and then with your relationship with your family, was there ever a time that you felt like your heart was becoming a bit too hard? Because, yeah. yeah. I hadn't. I hadn't. Yeah. yeah. And so everything's uh, yeah, fine yeah. all the time. Oh, look, yeah, every, yeah, everything's yeah, good. Yeah. And so yeah, you yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. I think we can also bounce into yeah. that extreme. Oh, yes. yes. It's kind of like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even have a heart anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, for a long time there, for, the, for a long time there, I, I, I was in that place. Mm. Because uh, it's too painful. Mm. So I, yeah, I try not to think. Not to, yeah. I, I was hard. My heart's hard. Mm. I don't want to be hurt. Yeah. Mm. What could you say then about keeping your heart open? Yeah. Keeping soft. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah. It's a much better place to be. Mm. Yeah. And because you you have to uh, change your thinking, if, 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 the, if the negative emotion comes, you can just let it go. Because everything's just... A thinking away, like yeah. So it's good to make it's okay to make yourself vulnerable, because when you make your heart hard, you you miss out on no experience. Nothing really, nothing really. You can really feel it because everything's so shallow. Yeah. 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 But that was survival for me for a long time. Yeah. And I think that is. I think that is also a part of trauma. Is that you start just to survive. Yeah. You kind of have to yeah. harden up, but it's, it becomes yeah. a little bit like you against the world. Yeah. So, yeah. like, who to trust? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's more, more with me. It's more. I, I don't want to be so attached that I miss them. I can't. I can't afford to miss people. Mm. You know, if I if I put myself in missing people all the time, I would be suffering even since I was little. Mm. But do yeah. you think missing people is? Okay now? Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Because I, I can pray for them. It's yeah. so good. Because I think I, you do I miss, you. you miss your kids yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. got a grandson over in Puerto yeah, yeah, Rico yeah, yeah. who yeah, you so, love so more I, than I, life. I, when I think of them, I, I call, you know, like, yeah, yeah like, it's, it's But I so think, good. again, it's that balance of like yeah. completely missing someone but completely yeah. being able to be present and to yeah, not getting yeah. lost in that yeah. disconnect. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's when you can like, I, I remember living abroad, like getting lost in homesickness and just kind yeah. of this, yeah, attachment Yeah, as well. Like yeah. I miss my siblings every day, but I, but yeah. I really trust in our connection and still invest yeah. in it. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not in a place of attachment of like I need to live next door to them. Yeah. But yeah. I, still, I still acknowledge the fact that I miss them so much with all yeah. of me, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but I can still love them from yeah, afar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mom, that's so yeah. good. Um, we're going to wrap up soon, but um, yeah. Uh, are there any other principles that you'd like to just share about things that you've been discovering over the last little while? Because I think one thing that I've noticed about you is that you continue to grow in curiosity even into your late 60s. Yeah. I think when a lot of my friends meet you, one of the things that they love is that you are very young. Yeah. You know, obviously like you're an Asian woman, so you've yeah. got the ability to look <laughs> young for a long time, but you do have a very much a student mind and you yeah. you posture yourself towards education, um, 
plants, <laughs> agriculture, <Yeah>. flat earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think you still maintain this deep sense of curiosity about people and about knowledge and yeah, like how how can you how can you remain in that place of inner child without getting stuck in an in an in an old elderly state? You know what I mean? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, simple. I lo- I just love learning. <laughs> I just love learning. I'm forever when you see how much time you put on face on, on using my phone. I'm always on YouTube learning, learning how to grow, learning. Flat Earth, and you know, I'm. I just love learning. Mm. <laughs> learning about character of God, mm. God who doesn't kill, and trying to, yeah, trying to understand the stories in the Old Testament that from place where God is like Jesus. Yeah, it's all very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, God huh? is great. God doesn't. God just loves you. Yeah, mm. yeah. One thing, one thing is, uh, I'm at the place where I'm comfortable knowing that God is not going to kill me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> God doesn't kill sinners. Because yeah, I think um, I think with that is like you don't want to um, like <laughs> like I think one one issue that I had when I was a pastor was that I kind of felt like I was a more moral. Human uh, than uh, what my God was more of a moral being and a yeah, moral yeah. agent than what yeah, yeah. he yeah, was. Yeah, you know, like a destroyer. Yeah. He just wants to show what he's like. Yeah. He's a loving God. Yeah, and that's why yeah. I think we've just always got to be careful. Like any of my friends that really want to get into religion, like conservative Christianity or conservative Islam, whatever. I'm like, mate, like what you behold is what you become, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. and I think that's why like in the, in the yeah. New Testament, it says things like eternal life is to know you, the yeah. only true God. It's yeah. like the ultimate experience yeah, yeah. is knowing really what the divine is. Cause like, if you have like a messed up picture of your divine image, you become yes. like that image. It's kind of like yeah. when you're growing up, if you're, if you're absorbing a really toxic father yeah. who beats your mom. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not observant yeah. of your soul and what's going on, you'll actually absorb that into yeah. your subconscious and become like that yes. in 10 years' time. Yes, yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's the same with religion. I just feel yeah. like if your God seems to be a certain way, yes. you become yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so. Yeah. Um, God's glory is his character. Mm. You know that? Yeah. And, um, well... Uh, to, to, with my m- Muslim friends, I've got the the most loving, the most beautiful human. Mm. I'm a Muslim friend. Yeah. Um, how do you feel so, about your son Billy not being a pastor anymore and not like not loving going to church? Uh, actually, since I haven't been going to church either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love my church friends. Church is at least people. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I think you've still been, like you and I see things a lot differently now. Yeah. And um, But I think somehow you're still able to really celebrate my journey, yeah. even though it looks different to yours yeah. and maybe the ideal that you had for uh, me yeah. Yeah. without judgment. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously yeah, you have yeah. desires for me and different kids that yeah. have kind of gone a different direction. But yeah, as long as you in yourself in a place of love, Billy, mm. and love yourself, uh, Enough, you know, abusing, you know, you're not taking drugs or whatever. Mm. I'm proud of you. 
mm. you you are in a place where uh, you are very happy, you're joyful, you're connected with God. You're just mm. not as, not uh, working for God as such. You know, you're not on the in the church payroll. You know, but but you're living, mm. you're celebrating life, a joyful life. Mm. You you're not. You still shine for God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate, Mum, that you see my journey as something beautiful and yeah. something that's ever evolving yeah. and changing. And like you sense an openness within mm. me and mm. a deep love for people, mm. which like mm. means a lot, you mm. know. Because I think mm. it's like I've, you know, like obviously dad's perception towards my my journey is a bit different, but like a lot of my friends that have suffered where their mum especially doesn't understand their path, even ah. though they feel like they're growing. Yeah. Their, their mother or their dad is so judgmental mm-hmm. on that that change in lifestyle and yeah, yeah. but um, you come yeah, in a mom. place of love, darling. It's all good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thank yeah. you for seeing that, mom. And mm-hmm. um, um, what's one more thing that you just want to say as, as just a final thought to to my listeners, just about a way a way to be joyful. Mm. Wow. Yeah, go, go, even though there are bad things happen, uh, now you can still life is still good. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate life. Life comes from God. Every day is a gift because mm. you don't know when you go to sleep. Mm. Yeah, and if you take she means yeah. you don't know when you're gonna die. Yeah, we call that sleep. Permanent you sleep. call that sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sleep. Yeah, I love sleep. Yeah. That's gonna write on my on my gravestone. Now she can't really sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, mom, you said a really sweet thing to me like two days ago. You you just said, um, Billy, you really love people. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, oh, that's you, so yeah. nice to hear from yeah. my matriarch elder. Because that's yeah. all I want to be. I just yeah. want to be like you. Yeah. And when I think of you, I think of the way that you love people. So you saying that to me was just mm. like, man, my mom is my hero. Um, I wouldn't be here without you, obviously, physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mm. relationally, like how you've helped to craft this human. <laughs> and um, you're definitely my my reference point. Like I come back to to my my mom is like a template yeah. for being, you know, yeah. and a lot of the times when I've experienced complexity, I'm like, how would mom respond in this situation? Yeah. I literally get into your bubble for a second and yeah. get absorbed into you. And then I'm like, if I was existing inside my mom and going through this, this is how it would feel. This is how she would feel. And I, <laughs> I feel that, you know. Yeah. So I think if I grew up in a really anxious home, if you were a very anxious human and, and non-trusting It'd be even more frazzling for me. Mm. I'm a quite scattered, uh, I'm quite a scattered <laughs> yeah. human in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I think it's just been such a beautiful grounding force, Mum. So oh, that's great, really. Mothering you has been a blessing too because you're so gracious, <laughs> so forgiving. Yeah. Because oh. uh, as a mum, I made so many mistakes, though, but you've been so good. <laughs> cool, Mum. Well, you're gonna get picked up in about two minutes by oh. your friends because you don't drive. But um, yeah. Um, thank you for all the say goes. Thank you for all the parties. Thank you for um, my 
brown skin that I love every day, my luscious <laughs> locks that have come from you. <laughs> and um, I'll see you back in Valentine in a couple of weeks. Oh, that would be great, really. Bless you, Ibu Wan. Tuhan Mabakati. Rasa saya. Selamat tinggal. What's the Muslim blessing again? What do you say when you leave? Assalamu alaikum. Malikum salam. Uh, Walaikum salam. Uh, yeah. Assalamu alaikum is a, you know, it's peace. Yeah, yeah. peace. Yeah. Awesome, man. Bless ya. Yeah. Jumpa lagi. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the beginning of us podcast. This podcast is created on Bundalung land, just south of Byron Bay. We pay our respects to the original custodians of this land. If this episode has connected with you, please leave a comment, share the episode on your Instagram stories, and subscribe to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. The Beginning of Us is produced by Billy Otto. Theme music is by Billy Otto and Khalid Tusker. Technical direction by Eliash Perez. Find out all about Billy's many mindful projects and music by Instagram at, at Billy Otto. Blessings to you and the mistakes.